I've had Donald at, at a couple of my pre- pastor appreciations, and, and I just told him, I said, you know, just preach the word. Just preach the word. Um, you know, today is the day we honor he and his wife for everything that they do through the year. And if you don't know, pastors are human. Pastors do laugh, but they do hurt as well. They do struggle at times. They do pray for you. They do love you. And sometimes it's a battle. Because they don't only have their own struggles, but then they take on the struggles sometimes of those that they shepherd and they pastor. And sometimes those that they pastor are not always good little sheep. Come on. Sometimes those that they pastor, the sheep want to bite. Sometimes the sheep want to run away because something happens in their life and they just don't have the faith. It's not that they're not saved. It's just they don't have the faith at that time to stand strong. And my title of my message today is Don't Give Up, Stand Up. Don't Give Up, Stand Up. And I'm going to read our scriptures in just uh, just a little bit, but I, I just want to I want you to know that as a as a as a sheep, as a shepherd, as an under shepherd that God has put Donald and Sandra here to be. Sometimes you're not always going to like the decisions that he makes. Come on, I'm speaking from experience, and I'm speaking from a heart of a pastor. I'm not a state bishop, I'm not a state youth director, I'm a pastor. I don't want to be any of those things because when I retire one day, guess what? I want that title that I always had was pastor. That's me. But I want you to understand that your pastor, when he leads you and he he directs you, he needs those that are truly, that they say they're a Christian. Now, I've met some folks that said, man, I've been in the way for 50 years. And you've probably heard the expression. And sometimes you want to say, would you just move out of the way so some others could come in that way? But even though you may serve the Lord for 50 years or just two months, can I tell you that you've got to begin to start to mature in the Lord? I know I'm not going to get too many amens with this this morning, but that's okay. But you've got to start to mature in the Lord. You've got to start to stand strong in the Lord because, let me tell you something, as pastors, we can't do this by ourselves. This is not a a Donald Jones and Sandra Jones show. Donald is supposed to teach and to admonish and to direct and, and help you, and you're supposed to take the man on. You're supposed to run with it. You're supposed to do the work of the kingdom. When your pastor has to do everything, and I'm not saying he is. I'm just, now understand, I'm not, he hasn't said anything to me. I'm just telling you what the Lord has laid upon my heart for this service. About a month ago, I began to pray and say, God, what is it that you want me to declare? What is it that you want me to speak? And believe me, I'd have loved to come in here with a Travis Gore message or a, or a message like the state bishop would come in with or a Donald Jones message. But this is what God led me to this morning. And I believe if you allow God, He's going to do something in your life today. But He needs people that are growing in the Lord, that are becoming disciples, that, that are not just still drinking the milk, but eating the meat. And not just eating the meat, but giving the meat to somebody else. Okay? 
So this morning, I want to talk to you again about don't give up, but stand up. And Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said this. He said, great is the art of the beginning, but greater is the art of the ending. Now, I'm going to ask you if you would this morning, and you can keep your fingers there. Turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 51 to 62, and we'll get there in just a minute. And somewhere in between beginning and ending, we've all felt like giving up because discouragement has set in. Come on, you can say amen. It's okay this morning. We're not going to judge you. Disillusionment or even disappointment has set in. And we felt like saying these two words, I quit. Those are the worst two words that a pastor can hear from somebody he's pastoring. I quit. So what do we do when we feel like giving up? In a word, God calls us to do this. He calls us to persevere. To persevere means to persist persist in any purpose or endeavor, to continue striving for one's goals in spite of difficulties, to stay on course. I mean, you know, today we got to stay on course. There's, there's a race to be run. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kingdom to be gained, but there's, a, there's souls and there's a harvest to be won this morning. The New Testament Greek word translated perseverance is uh, hupomen. I'll get it right, hupomen. And means both passive endurance and active endurance. Now I know I'm going to lay the foundation and then we'll get into it, okay? That these passive endurance and active uh, persistence that presses on for the goal in spite of difficulties. Can I tell you, perseverance makes the difference in life between success and failure. Perseverance is more important than talent. It's more, abil- more important than ability. It's more important than aptitude and resources. The Christian life demands perseverance. And the gift of faith, folks, is free. But the life of faith is a fight. Let me say that again. The, the gift of faith, it's free. Anybody can have the gift of faith. But the life of faith is a fight. When asked to what level he attributed inspiration to his success of his work, William Faulkner, if anybody knows who he is, he's an American author, replied, 2% inspiration, 98% perspiration. You see, the Christian who suffered persecution in China used to have an affirmation, and I love this. If you hear nothing else I say today, take this and adapt this. This was their affirmation. They said this, Christians are like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper we go. How many in here today, Satan can come and say, give up, but you just hold on. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're a Christian. You're, you've been bought with a price. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And you say, I'm not going to give up because you can hit me as hard as you want to, but you, as hard as you hit me and keep hitting me, the deeper I'm going to go in Christ. One of the most important affirmations of faith is found in Philippians 3.14. And he says these words, and I could say the whole thing, but I love these first five or uh, six words. And it says, I press on toward the goal. 
Now, if you know who Christ is and you have a relationship truly with him, you're not trying to run this race just so you can get to heaven. You're trying to run this race to be faithful so that when you stand before your creator and he says one of two things, he says, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Or if he's, you stand before him and he goes through the book and he says, listen, I commend you on this, I commend you on this, and so let me say these words to you. Come on and welcome into the joy of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I just don't want to make it. I want to make it and I want to be able to stand before Christ and him to be able to say to me, well done my good and faithful servant. You were faithful with just the small things, but guess what? Because of that, there was things that happened. There was things that changed. There were people that came to the Lord because you were faithful to me. The watchword of the hour is press on. Why do we need to press on? Are you with me this morning? Why do we need to press on? Because let me give you a couple things why I can tell you this morning you need to press on. First of all, you need to press on because there's a heaven to be gained. There's a reward to be received. There's a dream to be filled. There's a finish line that we've got to cross. There's a calling to be answered. And if that ain't enough, there's an enemy to be defeated. There's a victory to be won. There's a church to be built. Did you hear me this morning? We're still building the church of Jesus Christ. There's a harvest to be reaped. If you have haven't looked lately. There's a harvest just in Pulaski that needs to be reached for the Lord. There's a world to be evangelized and there's a kingdom. There's a kingdom to be established. If anyone ever modeled perseverance, it was Jesus. His family questioned his fatality. His disciples often doubted him. The religious leaders by large regarded him as a fraud. And many followed him only for his miracles and never accepted him as Messiah. Sometimes I think we lose touch with his humanity. Because we think, oh, he was Jesus, he was the Son of God, but he was human. He suffered and he went through temptations just like you and I. I can tell you as a pastor, when I get discouraged at times, I have to remember my Savior went through the same thing. People turned their backs on him. People, people commended him and loved him. And then they come the next moment and they turn around and say, we're leaving. But sometimes I think we lose touch with his humanity. He was tempted as we are. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. That blows me away sometimes when I think of that. That he was without sin. He was in this earth and was without sin. And that makes me think, God, if he can do it. I'm not Jesus, but I'm supposed to be an example of him. If he can do it, then I want to strive to be like him. He was rejected, John 1 and 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. How many times do we not recognize Jesus in certain situations? Isaiah said that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief in, in Isaiah 55, 3. Yet he persevered. So here we are, we get to Luke chapter 9. I'm not going to be very long, I promise, because I know some of you got your mind on that food. 
Some of you brought those deviled eggs, and some of you brought, why do we call those deviled eggs and brew? We should need to call them angel eggs when we bring them to church, amen? I ain't bringing the devil with me to church. I know you think about all that good food, but think about this food for just a few minutes, if you would. In Luke chapter 9, we have Jesus talking here. We're going to see some things here. Now, now it came to pass when the time had come in verse 51 for him to be received up and he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, what it's saying here is when he got his mandate, he knew where he was supposed to head. He was focused. He was ready to go. And sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey of Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? That's just the human part of it right there. Now, this is Jesus. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Now, let me explain something real quick right here. When you became a child of God, you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So you no longer operate as one that lives here on this earth. Are you with me? Come on now, I know this church shouts and I know this church can say amen. I'm not in the church of the frozen chosen this morning. I know that. I'm in Pulaski Church of God. You've got a reputation. Don't, don't let it down. I don't want to go away from here saying, man, they were as dead as doornails today. Just kidding but you became a child of God and you became a citizen of the kingdom. So no longer do you operate on the principles and, 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 and the roles of the earth now, but now you are, you're in the earth, but you're not of the earth. Isn't that what the Bible says? So now you operate on kingdom principles and you operate with the keys of the kingdom that he gives you. And see, these disciples were with, to encourage you, these disciples were with Jesus 24-7 for three years. And yet they didn't get it because here's what they wanted to do, the human factor of it. Hey, Pastor Jones, do you want us to take care of them? We'll destroy them. We'll kick them out of the church. We'll make them so uncomfortable they don't want to come back. Jesus said, wait a minute. Where's your heart? Where's your sympathy? Where's, where's your compassion and your love for people? He said, you, you, you've misunderstood me for this long. I didn't come into this earth to destroy people. I come into this earth to save people. I come into this earth to show people that there's a better way. I came in to show these people that one day I'm going to walk up that hill called Golgotha and I'm going to be on that cross and I'm going to shed my blood for them and they're going to have a way of repentance. And one day that the veil that they had to have a priest take their stuff in and their sacrifices in before the throne of God no longer is going to happen because I've got God's going to take his finger and he's going to cut that thing and it's going to be released and now they're going to have an advocate with the Father and now they're going to be able to boldly approach the throne of grace and come before me and be able to be saved and have victory on top of that. 
So understand, we operate on kingdom principles. We are kingdom people. And they went to another village, it said. Let's go on to verse 47 or 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, now look, how many of you ever felt good and told God, God, I'm going to do this? And a little bit later, you didn't do it. I had a dear pastor friend of mine who, when I went to Warsaw, and the many of that's not Poland, that's here in Virginia. He started that church, and Donald and Sandra know him, one of the sweetest men that you'll ever meet, Reverend John Thomas. And he told me that he was in World War II, and he was one that would listen to the decoding. And they were in the Battle of Normandy, I think it was, or, or um, in, in the ocean. I can't remember where exactly where it was, but they were being bombed by the Japanese, and he was on that ship. And he said, I was so scared. He said, I was never, never that scared in my life. He said, but when they started hitting us with those bombs, attacking us, and we, we, you know, we, we were off guard. We didn't know they were coming. He said, and our ships were catching fire. He said, I told the Lord that day. He said, I wasn't serving God. He said, I was far from God. And he said, I told him, if you just get me out of this. He said, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And he was one of so many that survived off of that ship. He said, I went back home, and he said, I just lived the same life I lived. But he said, finally, God got a hold of my life. And see, that's where we are sometimes. We'll tell God because we're in situations, God, if you'll just answer this prayer. God, if you'll just come through for me one more time. God, I, I promise you I'll do this or I'll do that. And God comes through for us, and we don't do it. And that's where this gentleman was, or this, I, I don't know if it was a gentleman or, or if, if it was a female, but it said, it said, he said, here's what he said. He said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus knew the truth. And he said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. That was Jesus speaking. But the other gentleman said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. See what we're supposed to do? And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of of God. And in these scriptures here this morning, we see a great model of perseverance Jesus set for us to follow. I want to do something right here. I want to just stop right here and I want to pray. Can we do that? Can we just stop right now and pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask in these next few minutes, as I share these examples of your son and the perseverance that he Set for us as an example. Lord, would you open our eyes today? Would you open our ears to hear and would you open our minds to comprehend? Because God, I, I didn't come here today to beat people up. I came here today to encourage your people. But God, I pray that they will hear this morning your word. Don't let them see me. Don't let them hear me. Hide me behind the cross. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you'll begin to speak. You'll begin to declare. Thank you. And I give you praise in Jesus' name.
Amen. So let me show you three examples of how Jesus persevered. Number one, Jesus functioned out of his will, not his emotions. He functioned out of his will and not his emotions. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He, the Bible said he set his face like a flint in Isaiah 50 and 7. He was immovable in his direction and, 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 and purpose. And Jerusalem meant arrest or it even meant death. But guess what? He still set his face because he knew that was what he was supposed to do. His disciples tried to discourage him from taking this course. Uh, the fact that he functioned out of his will enabled him to finish what he started. So, so many times we, we operate on emotions. Come on. We operate on our emotions. And he didn't operate on that. He operated on his will. And I believe his, his heart was, Father, I'm going to follow through on what you sent me here to do. Father, I'm going to follow through. Even in the garden, he asked if it would pass from him. But he said these words, not my will, but your will be done. His last cry from the cross was these words. It was, it is finished. I think... Three of the greatest words I've ever heard Jesus speak was, it is finished. That ought to excite some of you because that means for you and that means for me that it was finished. Victory was won at Calvary. I don't have to try to get victory. I'd walk in victory and occupy the victory that Jesus has given me. That means that when he said it is finished, there's nothing else that he needed to do but go and sit down at the right hand of the Father. And he gave you and I the tools of the kingdom and the keys of the kingdom to operate. You see where I'm at this morning. See, the power of human will, too often we are led by our emotions instead of decisions. Here's what happens. Emotions en enrich our lives, but we cannot make the mistake of letting our, our emotions roll our lives. And I think through this pandemic has 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 and I've seen it more in a, in a lot of folks who are who who I looked at and I thought were very strong in the Lord, but they allowed their emotions of fear to overroll them. Listen, I've been through this. I've had it, but I'm not going to fear this thing. And I've said these words, Tony, from day one. I will not fear this thing. Because it doesn't have the power to take my life. Only God has the power to give life and take life. Come on. I am not going to fear. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to let it keep me from doing the things of the Lord. I'm not going to let it keep me out of the house of the Lord. It, I'm not going to get into that this morning. I'm not going to meddle. I promise, Pastor Jones. I'll let you take care of that. But I'm not going to fear. I'm going to trust the Lord with all of my heart. See, the issue is not what you feel, but rather what you will. It's not what you feel, but rather what you will. It's not what you feel, but what you will that determines your success. Is your, is your heart and your passion and your will to follow Christ with everything that you've got? To say, I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There may be persecution that happens. There may be trials that come my way. I may feel like, as he sang in that song, I may feel like everything is out of whack. But I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to hold on. Because I know my God has never failed me. He's never let me down. 
He, he's, he's never forsaken me. He's always been with me. I don't care how hard it's been. I don't care where I've been. I don't care how deep the valley and how dark the valley. I can tell you today in my own personal life, in me and Tammy's life, God has always been there for us and He's always supplied my need. So what's your will today to follow Christ? And I'm going to tell you, when you follow Christ... That's when you're going to be successful. Because guess what? When you truly start to follow Christ, you're going to watch and see this church even begin to grow even greater and stronger. Not because of Him, but because of what you're doing and the leadership that He's leading you with. See, I'm sure... You can give me about 15 more minutes. Is that all right? I'm sure Noah didn't feel like building an ark. But because of his will to follow God and his holy fear for him, he built an ark. And guess what happened? It saved his family. I'm sure Abraham didn't feel like taking Isaac to a sacrifice, to sacrifice his only son. But he rose up early in the morning and he set out to a, to a place where God showed him. And because of his obedience and his, his will to follow God, he learned the meaning of Jehovah Jireh, his provider that day. I bet you Moses didn't feel like going to Egypt and confronting Pharaoh. Matter of fact, he said, God, I can't do this. But he went in obedience to God's command and he saw the power of God displayed in a mighty way. Deborah, we don't talk about her much. Probably didn't feel like leading Israel as a prophetess. But she took the challenge and she led the nation in victory. David didn't feel like facing Goliath probably alone in battle. But guess what? He knew his God. But he took his sling. He took five smooth stones. You know the story. And he declared, he said, I don't come to you with a sword and a spear. But he said, I come to you today. He said, I come to you today with the most powerful weapon that anyone could ever have. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He says, because you're going down today. Some of us need to pick up five smooth stones and realize you're only going to use one of them and, and look at the enemy and say, guess what? Today, I may not have this, I may not have this, but one thing I do have, I have faith in my Savior, Jesus Christ, and I'm coming to you in that name today. So you've got to flee and you've got to get out of my way. I don't know if you're feeling it like I am, but I, whew. Jesus didn't feel like going to Calvary probably. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12 too, it said for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now I don't know what kind of joy there is in going to a cross and being nailed to a cross. But I believe he looked through time. He saw you and I and he said that's the joy that I'm looking at. That's the joy that I'm going to the cross for. Because I know one day they're going to bow their knee and they're going to confess me as Lord and Savior. That's worth it all. See, Peter didn't feel like preaching at the cost of rejection, 
or even imprisonment, and eventually a martyr's death. But he declared in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I have fought the good fight. I want to tell you when I'm taking my last breath, if I'm able to speak, I want to say, God, I know that I have fought the fight, and I have done my best, and now I'm ready to receive the reward that's waiting for me. I'm ready to cross over from this land into my homeland. This is not my homeland, but into my homeland, and I'm I'm ready to receive what you have for me because I fought the fight. So let me encourage you today that you've got to fight the fight. You've got to fight the fight, folks. Come on, Pastor Dave. Preach something we don't know. I'm just reminding you this morning, you've got to fight the fight. So Jesus functioned out of his will and not his emotions. Number two. Jesus was proactive, not reactive to life's difficulties. See, he set out for Jerusalem in spite of the cost. Had he been a a, a, a reactor, he would have retreated from that challenge. Let me ask you, what have you set out to be and to do in life? What have you set out to be and to do in life? I'm not talking about your profession. I'm talking about as a child of God. What have you set out to be and to do for the kingdom? Are you still on course towards those goals or have you been distracted? Take action in life. Don't wait for life to happen. Go out there and make things happen. Faith without works is dead. I read somewhere in the word of God. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And see, the problem is, the problem is we, we have people that say, can you pick that piece of paper up over there, pastor says? Pastor, let me pray about it. Let me see if that's what I really need to do. You pray all day long. I'll go over here and pick it up myself. I know that's, that's a little different. But we have people that always say, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. But yet God, you feel God's calling. You feel God's tug at you to do something what you have just been asked to do. And you say, let me pray about it. My God, you've been praying about it for how long? And God's opening the door for you. Go through it. Get up and do something about it. And guess what? Put faith behind it and watch and see what God will do behind that faith. Muhammad Ali he was asked one time by a young man in college, and he said, what should, what should, he said, what should, uh, should we do with his life? Uh, the heavyweight, uh, what, the college, what he should do with his life. And, and the heavyweight champion replied, he said, stay in college. He said, get the knowledge and stay there until you're through. If they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, they can sure make something out of you. Some of you may feel, and I know that's funny, but some of you may feel that God, God can't use me. God can't do this. Let me tell you something. He can use anything. If you knew where I came from, God can use anything. So I encourage you today, let God use you. Start operating in that call that he's called you. Some of you would say, well, you just don't know how old I am. The last time I checked, God is no respecter of age or persons. 
It takes all of us. Let me speak to our precious seniors today. Seniors, can I tell you something? What would help this pastor and help his wife is these young folks that are in here and not beat them down and and not tell them, well, I walked five miles in the snow to school and all that good stuff. No, encourage them. Get behind the teens. Get behind the young adults, the young, those that, some of you have been married for 40, 50 years. Get behind some of these that's only been married for a few years and say, listen, let me encourage you. You guys can make this. We're praying for you. We're, st- we're here for you. And let me tell you, you will watch and see this church grow and you will see the people of this church grow together like never before. I think about the four leopards and they teach us that victory comes through action, not passivity. Because they said in 2 Kings 7, they said, why stay here until we die? They came to the realization, if we don't do something, we're going to die. And God started working, guess what, when they started walking. We're asking God to do something, and we have not even got up yet to start stepping. You get up, and you start walking, and you watch and see what God is going to do. If God has called you into a certain area to do a certain thing, I don't care how small you may think it is, how minute, but when you get up and you start doing and you start walking, you watch and see how God will bless you and how God will work in you. See, Jesus won the victory on Calvary, but we don't experience that victory until we start walking in it. I told you a few minutes ago that, that, that the victory is not something that you've got to try to win. Victory's already been won for you. It's something you've got to occupy. But if you don't get up and you don't trust the Lord and you don't start walking in that victory, you'll never experience victory. Maybe it's time that you stop waiting and start walking. Come on. Is this all right today? Again, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to encourage you because I believe that God has a work for the Pulaski Church of God to do. Not in Pulaski, but I believe there's other areas that God wants to impact by the ministry here. Number three. Jesus weighed the cost in light of heaven's reward. The punchline. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit. For the service in the kingdom of God. You can't put your hand to the plow and keep looking back. The past is the past. I'm going to behave right here. But the past is the past. We're not going to go back to where the church was years ago. God's moving us in a new direction. He's moving us into a, a, a new place. That's the thing I love about God. He's, he may be the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's not a stale God. He's new every, His blessings are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O oh God. And guess what? I'm telling you, if you will move forward, if you will set your eyes to the plow and not look back, and you will get behind that plow and begin to work, watch, watch. See, weigh the cost in light of the rewards. Three men that day offered him three reasons why they couldn't follow him. They thought the demands were too great, so they missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime to walk with Jesus. When we devote our lives to Christ, let me tell you, you can know that there is an eternal reward waiting 
for us. I love what the Bible talks about. It talks about there's five crowns in Scripture that is promised to us if we will not look back, but we will put our hands to the plow and go forward. Let me, let me say the, the word crown speaks of a victor's wreath used in Olympic, Olympic Games. Not a royal crown that belongs only to Jesus. But for the Christians, I'm speaking to you today if you're a child of God. But for the Christians who press on and stay the course, the Bible tells us of the five crowns that can be received. Are you ready to hear those this morning? Let me give those to you. Your first crown is your incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I don't know about you, but I want that crown. And if that's not enough, let me tell you about another crown. There's, a, there's one in the Bible called the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4 and 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on the day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do you long for his appearing? I sure do. I long to see him. I long to see that crown of righteousness placed upon my head. Then he goes on, and the Bible talks about about the crown of life in James 1 and 12. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres. There's that word again, under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Are you ready for that crown this morning? There's two more that he promises us. You may say, well, that's enough. No, let me tell you, there's two more. There's the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. I'm not ready to see him because I want a crown. I'm ready to see him because I know what he did for me. I know how he sustained me here on this earth. I know how he answered prayer when I needed prayer answered. I know that when I didn't know which way to turn, all I could do is say, Jesus, and he was right there. I know that the day that I see Jesus, I'm not going to worry about any crown, but he promised that to us. But the day I see Jesus, I'm going to fall onto my knees and I'm going to declare, Savior, Savior, Savior. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's one more crown and it's the crown of reward. Revelations 3.11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold on to what you have. Pulaski Church of God, folks, hold on to what you have. You may feel like you're holding on by a a, a, a yarn piece of uh, string. But let me tell you, that string is still strong because if Jesus is on the other end of it, it is stronger than you'll ever imagine. Keep holding on. Hold on to what you got. Be faithful with what you have. Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful to God and watch and see what He'll do in your life. So you get all these crowns, and I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to those crowns. Let me close with this. Come on, Tony, if you would. See, whatever cost, whatever cost you have to pay to be a disciple of Christ will be rewarded by God in this life, and not only in this life, but a hundred times over in the next life. Can I tell you, that life 
let me just refresh your memory. That life, there's no death. <laughs> there's no saying goodbye. I lost my mother in 2000 on Mother's Day, and one of the most joyful days, and people look at me when I say that, it's strange. One of the most joyful days, Pastor Jones, is when I held her hand, and she took her last breath, and I knew where she went, and I knew where she was at, and I knew that one day, if I just stay the course, I'm going to see her again. Not only is there no death, there's no sickness. That means you don't have to have any surgery, Sandra. There's no type of sickness in heaven. There's no heartaches. There's no pain. Somebody's in here this morning that you've heard this message. But you've been hurting so bad. And you've even asked the question, God, are you there? I just have to stop and say this right now. You've asked God, God, are you really there? Do you really hear me? And I declare to you this morning, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, He says to tell you, He's heard every prayer, every word that you have said, every tear that you have cried. He said to tell you this morning, I've heard you. Just hold on. Won't have any more death, won't have any more sickness. Don't have any more heartaches. Our bodies won't grow old. Ah, some of you should have said amen. Hallelujah to that. When we get to heaven, because we decided to put our hands to the plow and not look back. There's an eternal reward that is waiting for us. And it's called everlasting life. Everlasting life. Can I tell you, I love what I do. I love being a pastor. Yes, there's times that I get wounded. There's times... When I feel let down. There's times when you feel like you've poured into people and all of a sudden they just turn their back and walk away. But Tony, that song that you guys sang today, just remember. Hold on. Hold on. I don't know where you're at today. Pastor said, okay, if I just be obedient. I don't know where you're at today. But if you felt like giving up, you're in the right place today. Because you're surrounded by people who are not going to let you give up. Let me take it a step further. If you're in this place today, and you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about today. Let me just fill you in. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you more 
than anybody will ever love you on this earth. You'll never experience love like you'll experience from this Savior called Jesus. You'll never experience freedom and liberty in your life. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You'll never experience the freedom and the love that you would receive from Jesus today. We could call you up here, but let me tell you, right where you're sitting, you could say these words, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be the Savior and the leader and the Lord of my life. I may not understand all of it, but I know one thing. I need you. Because let me tell you, if you don't have Jesus, I'm going to sound like an old-fashioned preacher. But if you don't have Jesus, regardless of what everybody tells you, you are not going to see him and be in heaven with him. There is still a place called hell. And I'm not trying to scare you today, but I'm trying to be real with you today. I want to go to the place that he's prepared for me. And I want to be with him through eternity. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me ask you this morning, do you want to give up or do you want to stand up? Do you want to give up or do you want to stand up? I'm going to do this altar call two different ways. We're not going to take a long time, but I just feel led to do this. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I have been struggling You don't have to tell anybody what it is because God already knows what it is. You've been struggling and you've been battling. And you may be the one that I've talked about that's here that has questioned and said, God, are you still there? Do you still hear me? Listen, if that is you, don't you waste any time. Come down to this altar right now. We want to pray with you. We want to rebuke that lie of the enemy over you right now. You felt like you been wanting to give up. Come on, right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to take long. Pastor Jones, would you do something for me? I know, Sandra, you can't because you need to sit there. Would you come stand right here and face me? Right here. Thank you, brother, for being obedient this morning. Matter of fact, Pastor, I'm going to ask you to pray. You probably know this gentleman here. I'm going to ask you to take a minute and pray with him this morning. Here's what I want to do. In a minute, Pastor Jones is going to come back and face me. If you're here this morning and you love your pastor, you love this church, let me tell you something. This church is just a church. It's nothing without the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you've been through some hard times. I don't have to say this to you if your church burnt down. Because <laughs> it did. And guess what? You're still standing. What the enemy meant for destruction, God turned it around for the good of the Pulaski Church of God. But if you're here today and you say, I love my pastor. And I'm not going to sit down, but I'm going to stand up. I want you to come and I want you. You all can't get around it, but I want you to fill these altars right here. Would you do that? If you say this morning, I love my pastor and I'm going to stand. I'm not going to sit down, but I'm going to stand up.
Is there counsel here today, Pastor? Would the counsel, if you're on the, uh, the elder board of the council, would you come and surround your pastor this morning? This doesn't happen too often because guess what happens? This man right here is most of the time laying hands on you. Tell your love today, Pastor. I'm going to let you still come and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for your pastor. I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your servant, my friend. I know his wife would be standing beside him this morning. Lord, right where she's sitting, we pray for her as well. And God, we just ask you this morning that you would take these true servants of yours and God increase the anointing upon their lives. Increase the wisdom and direction upon their lives. God, surround them with men and women that will follow the leading that you have placed upon him to lead this congregation. Lord, that there will not be people that will sit down, but God, that they will stand up. Even as discouraged as they get at times, they'll stand up and they'll stand beside their leader and walk with him, God. As he follows you, let them follow him. God, I pray that great anointing upon he and Sandra and great wisdom in their lives to lead your people. God, everyone that's standing at these altars today, God, I declare over them and I I pray over them. I pray for, Lord, faith to rise up within them. I pray for encouragement to be over them and in their lives. I pray, God, that they will, God, they will follow the leader. They will follow the leader that you have put before them to lead at this season and this time. God, that you will touch them and you will operate through them and you will work through them and they'll operate in the ministries, in the, in the principles, in the keys of the kingdom, Lord God, to see your kingdom here in Pulaski, God, grow and, and, and to, to, to sprout and the harvest to be one. Lord, your word says, pray for those, to, pray for workers for the harvest. And God, today, I pray for workers to rise up this morning to say, Pastor Jones, I've sat for too long. Now I want to do something that I know I'm supposed to do. I want to follow under your leadership. But God, Lord, today, may they rise up and say, Pastor, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to put my hands to the plow and not look back and to go forward to see the kingdom grow and mature today. God, we love you and we thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the time of worship we had. And I know there's, there, there's somebody coming, but God, I just want to take time to thank you today. Thank you for meeting with us in this place. Thank you, God. If nobody else felt your presence, I sure did. And I say thank you, sir, for that today. We love you. We praise you your name. In your name we pray. And everybody say with me, amen, amen. Hey, listen, I'm going to turn it over. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he knows who he is. Uh, I don't have the paper in front of me, but can I tell you thank you for allowing me the honor and the privilege to speak to you today. I know you love your pastor. and I know that that's the voice that you're used to hearing, but let me say today, thank you. Thank you for that honor. God bless you.